talking about a powerful move of the Holy Spirit where God can transform you and change you before you leave here today. Let's ask him for it right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the transforming nature of the Word of God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for people who are earnest and desire to grow in you and become everything that you want to do. But many of them are facing obstacles and many of them struggle with condemnation and issues. And I pray right now, Lord God, that our faith and the power of the Holy Ghost would be lifted and we would believe, Lord God, that what you have begun in us, you're going to complete in us. That what you've started, you will finish. And our hope is not in this world and our hope is not in our ability, but our hope is in the one who shed his blood so that we could be born again of the water of the Spirit and we lift you up right now. Come on, somebody. Help me lift up Jesus right now. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the possessor of all power in heaven and in earth. And we exalt you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. I wonder if we give Jesus a big hand clap right now. Somebody help me give him some praise right now. Praise God. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about the way to the way. The way to the way. You may be seated. A little over two years ago, or about two years ago, my wife and I uh, were able to go on an amazing, amazing trip of a lifetime that we had saved for. We were intending to go on our 10-year wedding anniversary, uh, but the problem was is when our 10-year wedding anniversary came around, my wife was about 10, not 10, nine months pregnant. Let me make that straight because 10 months pregnant is bad news, all right? I'm aware of that. I am aware of that. She was great with child, as the scripture hath said. And so we weren't able to take a trip at that time. And then the next year we had a, uh, a nursing infant. So two years after... Um, the, the birth of our precious little Eden here, our third child, we were able to take this trip of a lifetime that we'd been saving and hoping and, and looking forward to. And it was a trip where we took a cruise in Europe uh, in the Aegean Sea, which is where the islands of Greece are. And uh, it was really, really a fantastic time uh, that we enjoyed being together, just the two of us, and uh, also seeing the amazing, beautiful sights And going to very historic places, even many of the islands that we went to many years ago, the Apostle Paul also was at these islands either preaching or transitioning in his travel. But one of the most beautiful, fascinating islands uh, that we went to during our cruise in the uh, oceans of Greece there was the uh, island of Santorini. Has anybody heard of Santorini before? Santorini is probably one of the most photographed places in all of the world. So we were kind of excited about it. And I remember the, what would happen is the cruise ship would come in early in the morning uh, at dawn and kind of uh, just move into where we were going to get off the, the ship and spend the day. And this morning it pulled into uh, the, uh, um, the, the cove or the bay there next to Santorini, this island. And, uh, and it's just beautiful. You look out and you, you see the blue sea and you can just imagine the old ships 
traveling out there that the Apostle Paul was traveling on. But this morning when we came out and we looked and we saw the island, my wife came out, came, came to get me because she was awake and I was still sleeping. And she said, you've got to see this. Come see this. Come look at this. So I went out and it was, it was dawn. And we were coming up on the island of Santorini. And I've got a picture here from uh, my wife's Facebook page of uh, when you're approaching Santorini, kind of what it looks like. You got that one there? You can pull that up. So check that out. This is a sheer cliff. And at the top, as we were waking up, as we were uh, pulling in, it looked like snow-capped mountains. But as we looked closer, we realized this is actually the beautiful village of Santorini. Can you see it there up on the top of the mountain? And uh, you can see there like a little winding pathway up if you look real closely. But I'm going to show you just a couple pictures of what it looks like up top. It is really gorgeous. Show me that next picture of uh, what it looks like as you're uh, taking pictures. I mean, it's just beautiful. And they have all the, the blue tops. Some of you have seen this before on calendars and whatnot. We were actually there. And to prove it to you, I got one more picture that will prove to you that we actually were there. There is Sister Brown on, on uh, Santorini. And uh, so, but as we, we pulled up, you know, and, and the, the village was just gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was like nothing you've ever seen. But when we pulled up, we immediately began to thank God for modern conveniences because there was a tram that took us from the bottom up to the top so we could get to Santorini. But we looked and observed this thing called uh, the way or the pathway to Santorini. When you land, years ago before the trams, you had to climb a lot of stairs or ride a mule or a donkey up the stairs. And maybe we have a picture of the way of Santorini. This is the... uh, Unbelievable thing. So we, we got to the top, got off the tram, and saw people coming up to the end of the path. They'd been going 45 minutes climbing stairs. But you can imagine years ago, this was the only way to get there. This was the only way to experience the beauty of this city on a hill, this celestial, if you would, looking city. That's another thing as we got closer, we're like, man, that almost reminds me of what heaven would look like. All these white, beautiful buildings up there. It's kind of an image of maybe what I had of perhaps what heaven would look like. And then obviously, my mind goes to the next place. Well, look at this pathway. It is a pathway to get up there. It's an arduous pathway. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not climbing the sheer cliff to get there unless you got the equipment, you're... All of that, but that's not going to work. You're going to have to take the pathway that's been carved through the mountain in order for you to get up there. And it reminded me, obviously, of how the Bible teaches that there is a way to heaven. That there is a route in order for you to make it to this place called heaven. Now, I also discovered and learned something you've heard before that there are different ways of referring to the church. The church is referred to as the body of Christ, like a physical body with Christ being the head. The church is also referred to as the bride of Christ. The church is referred to as the flock. But in New Testament times, do you know what people referred to the church as? They referred to it as the way. The way. 
oh, you're not a follower of the way, are you? And the Bible says in, in the book of Acts many times, it says the apostle Paul persecuted the way before he was converted. In another place, it says uh, that in, in Acts 19 and 9, people spoke evil of the way. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 23, at Ephesus, there was a riot about the way. And Paul, in Acts 24, 14, confessed to worship according to the way. And in Acts 24, 22, uh, Felix, the governor, um, said he was gaining knowledge about the way. Why would they have called the church of Jesus Christ this uh, new doctrine of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ? Why would they call it the way? Where did this phraseology come from? Well, Jesus, number one, taught about two ways. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, that means tiny. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Jesus made this very clear statement uh, that there is a way. And not only that, but in, in John chapter number 14 and verse 6, he said of himself, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And, and I think it's interesting that in 2013, they call people who believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved, they call us narrow-minded, right? You understand what I'm saying? They call us narrow-minded. Well, Jesus already knew that way of thinking was going to be in our world today because it was in their world back then. When Jesus stood up and said, nobody can come to God but through me, People said, what kind of a presumptuous statement is that? That out of all the teachers and all the philosophers and all the prophets, that you are the only way through which a person can gain access to God. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And not many people are going to find it. But there is a way that leads to destruction. And many, many people are walking therein in this way or in this path that leads to eternal destruction. The Bible says in another place, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And Jesus made it plain from the beginning that I am the way, and the way is narrow, and few there be that find it. But when you find the way, walk in the way, because it leads to the destination that you want to go. Amen. 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 When you're walking in a way, you need to understand where the way is leading. You don't need to just wander aimlessly. That's folly. That doesn't make sense to just wander aimlessly. Unless you're going out for a Sunday drive and want to kill some time and spend about $20 worth of gas, that's fine. Just go wherever you want to. But when you get in your car, 
You ought to have something to plug into the GPS. Where am I going? Why would I waste a day traveling and not knowing where I am going? And I think it's important today for every person to understand that you need to make sure that you are on the way that leadeth to everlasting life. To make sure that you are traveling the pathway, the highway that's going to take you where you want to go. And by nature of this verse of Scripture, the Bible says, Few there be that find it, many are on the broad way. That means if you're on the narrow way, you're going to be out of step with the majority, right? Does that make sense? Right? If you're on the narrow way, there's few on the narrow way, many on the wide way, you're going to be out of step. And when you're out of step with the majority, people think you are strange, different, odd, weird. Why? Because you are not traveling the path that everybody else is. You are on a path to life. You are on a path to abundant life. And you are on a path to eternal life. And Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. And the apostle Paul said, follow me while I follow Christ. I'm teaching you how to walk in the way. I'm teaching you how to make it to heaven. I'm teaching you how to avoid the pitfalls of sin. Amen. And so we see that the church was referred to as the way. So we're on a journey and we're going somewhere. We're in a journey as a church and we're going somewhere together. I want to read for you. You can read along with me in Isaiah chapter 35. I'm going to read a whole chapter here. Is that all right? Is it okay I'm not screaming at you? Is that all right? Just talking to you here for a little bit. No, please scream at us, please. Isaiah 35 and 1. Isaiah 35 and 1. This is a, I'm going to read from the uh, uh, NIV, but it may be up on the King James Version. That's fine. That way you get a, a little variety of perspective of translation here. But Isaiah 35, it's only 10 verses, but it is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. It's a twofold prophecy. It's a prophecy about the children of Israel repossessing the promised land, but it's secondly a prophecy about what's going to happen when the Messiah comes, all right? So it says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. It will burst forth into bloom. It will rejoice and greatly It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Verse 3, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and divine retribution. He will come to save you. Verse 5, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. When? When he comes to save us. All right, everybody following along here? When the Lord comes to save us, he will open blinded eyes and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. That's why people's attention was captured Years later, when Jesus went around unstopping deaf ears and opening blind eyes. That's why people begin to say, he must be the Messiah. He must be the projected deliverer of Israel. Okay, let's read what it says. 
then will the eyes of the people be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Verse 6, then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Amen. Some of you may be in a desert and need some water to gush forth right now. Praise the Lord. And uh, verse 7, the burning sand will become a pool. The reeds uh, uh, um, and, and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It says, it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed those that have been purchased, will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord, or the redeemed of the Lord, shall return. Where are they going? They're going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. And gladness and joy, I like this, gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will will flee away. The Bible says that when Jesus comes, there's going to be a highway established for those that are going to Zion, which is a type of heaven. And this highway will be called the way of holiness. And the Bible lets us know that when we walk on this way of holiness, the beasts that will tear people apart won't be on this highway. You'll be protected from the things that would destroy and devour you and your family. Amen. That God has made a way. And in this way, there will be refreshing. There will be blessing. There will be provision. Come on, someone. That's what the Bible says. Say, amen. And and I love this. It says that... Sorrow and sadness will flee from us, will run away from us, and in the meantime, gladness and joy will overtake those that are walking on the way to Zion. Amen. When you are on the way, when you are in the way, going the direction that God has called you, you have some promises on your life. Listen to me right now. You have some promises when you are walking on the way, and the promises are that God's blessing and favor is going to be upon you, that he's going to rebuke the devour and that gladness and joy will overtake you you know what I love about that that overtake means like it's it's like stalking you gladness and joy are stalking you when you're walking on the way amen listen to me right now whoever told you that living for God is supposed to be a dreary sad mundane lifestyle isn't reading from the same pages of the same Bible that I'm reading from. The Bible says uh, that there's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible lets you know, lets me know that when I'm walking on the King's Highway, when I'm walking on the way of holiness, uh, that there is something that is stalking me. It is gladness and joy. And when I least expect it, and when the load gets heavy, and when I feel discouraged, all of a sudden it's going to leap up and pounce on me with gladness and joy. And sorrow and mourning will flee. It's like, 
Whenever I'm coming. Sorrow and mourning has to flee. I want you to get that down in your spirit right now because the Bible lets us know that when you are walking on the way, it's not a grievous journey. It's not a burdensome journey, but it is a journey that ought to be associated with the joy of the Lord, with laughter, with smiling, with rejoicing. I wonder if there's some people in the house right now that know that you are promised God's blessings, God's pleasure, and the joy of the Lord. Can somebody give him some praise? right now hallelujah hallelujah praise God so if we're talking about the way what is the destination what is the destination of the way the answer is twofold number one the most obvious answer is the destination of the way is heaven right good job Revelation 2.7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So eternal life and heaven is the reward that God has promised to us. In Revelation 21.4 it says it this way, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So our eternal reward of joy and peace and fulfillment in heaven for eternity and eternal life is a very real goal that we're going for. Is anybody here today that's still waiting for heaven? You know, that, that's the problem here in 2013. When you preach about heaven, people yawn. Why? Because your blessings have become a curse. You're so blessed and you're so in love with this world that heaven doesn't even seem that sweet anymore. Amen. I grew up around some elders that used to tell stories about how rough it was when you lived for God and how rough life was and how difficult. Amen. People losing, losing uh, children and, and, uh, because of, of sicknesses and disease and People living short lives and struggling just to survive. And when we'd sing about heaven, when we'd talk about heaven, everybody would rouse and rejoice. Uh, but we see ourselves as rich and increased with goods. Uh, but the reality is there's got to be something in us that says, this world isn't all what it's all about. This world isn't what it's all about, but I've got hope beyond this world that one of these days I'm going to live forever in heaven. Does anybody really believe that? I wonder if we believe that sometimes. If you really want to believe it, then lose somebody you love. Let them take their final breath. A dear, sainted loved one. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be like, man, I can't wait to see them again. My hope is that I've said goodbye, but it's just goodbye for now. But a little bit later, I'm going to see you again. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are looking forward to that day when you'll see mom on the other side, when you'll see dad on the other side, when you'll see your grandma on the other side. My grandma Betty uh, was, uh, was a sweet lady of God. She would pray for anybody, and she would pray for them so hard it would scare them. 
She would go into the hospitals and she would do volunteer work. She was uh, uh, like a candy striper, whatever you call that, but she was in her 70s. And she would go by and she would pray for anybody and everybody going up and down the halls. And Then she'd come home at night and when we were at her house for dinner, she would have us for dinner every Monday night and we'd go over there and she'd tell us the story of everybody that she was praying for. And uh, we kind of made a joke of it, but she would say, yeah, and I prayed for him. Oh, we had a great time. What happened, Grandma? Oh, he died. <laughs> We would tease her about that. But man, she was ready at the drop of a hat to share the gospel with somebody. She was ready at the drop of a hat. And I remember we were in Casa Grande, uh, Arizona, coming back from conference when my dad got the phone call. My grandmother had been at the general conference, uh, but uh, 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 on the way home, she passed away. And uh, she was on a bus trip with a bunch of other people going to worship services. But on the trip back to Tennessee, she passed away. And uh, we had to... uh, uh, make arrangements and we went back and I remember the funeral and they asked me to be one of the speakers and my subject was grandma and the gospel and I haven't seen her for a long time I haven't heard her funny expressions or her funny words but I know one day I'm going to see her again because my hope is not in this world and my hope is not in today but my hope come on somebody is that I will see them again and we have this hope praise God we have this treasure in earth than vessels. Praise God. I'm going to a mansion on the Happy Day Express. The letters on the engine are J-E-S-U-S. I don't know about you, but I'm going home to see Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. And that's what I live for. I've made my reservation and there's no amount of stuff, no amount of money, no amount of appeal in this world that I'm not ready to say goodbye. I feel something old school in my spirit right now. Praise God. Remember that song, Goodbye World, Goodbye? Anybody remember that song? I bid all my sorrows goodbye. Goodbye to each pain and each sigh. Heaven is near. I can't stay here. Goodbye world, goodbye. And I hope that if the Lord should tarry, and I'm 85 years old, and I'm taking my final breaths, that I'm not worried about how much money that I have, or I'm not worried about somebody that offended me along the way, or I'm not worried about this that happened or that that happened. I pray, amen, that when I reach those final days, I'm going to be reaching for heaven. I'm going to be reaching for my eternal reward. I'm not living for this world, but I'm living for another world. I'm on a journey somewhere. I'm on a pathway to heaven. That's what I live for. Anybody else feel that way? Anybody else living for the other side? I've suffered from enough pain down here. I've been hurt by people too many times. I've been disappointed. I've had to wipe my own tears. But someday there'll be no more tears. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more bills. No more bill collector. No more car payment. No more.
more mortgage, no more insurance payments, no more pain. Come on. Some of you my age and older, you know what I'm talking about. No more aches, no more pains, no more sickness, no more disease, no more fights with your kids, no more struggles at work. It's all going to be behind you. You're going to reach your reward. I'm telling you, one day you're going to wake up on the other side and you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, that a preacher got red-faced and his veins popped out and he said, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. It's your eternal reward. Hallelujah. 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 That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. That's why I live this life. I ain't worried about what you think about me. Sorry. You like me, don't like me, be impressed, don't be impressed. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm worried about the other side. I'm worried about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one I'm going to have to stand in front of and give account for my life. That's who I want to live for. on the way. I'm in the way. I'm part of the way. The way is the church. Amen. I'm in the way. I'm on the way. I'm part of the way. But see, there's a second destination of where we're going that uh, has to do more with the here and the now. And that is what the Bible talks about is, is spiritual perfection. Everybody say perfection. Spiritual perfection. The Bible says Colossians uh, one twenty-eight. it says, the, the Apostle Paul says, when we preach, we are warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Another passage of scripture that we'll look at uh, uh, more at length says, it says, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God's plan, look at me right now. God's plan for you is not to leave you half-baked. God's plan for you is not to bring you a little bit and then leave you there. God's plan is that you grow up so that you're no more tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men who, who stand by to try to deceive people and, and get a following. But God's plan for you is that you would grow up. Now, before you get nervous, let me describe perfect for you in this context. When we think perfect, we think, what do we think? We think flawless. We think Absolutely, having done away with all weaknesses, shortcomings, struggles. Guess what? I got good news. That's not what perfect means here. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. No, perfect here means mature. Complete would be actually probably a better word translated here when the Bible talks about Christian perfection, that God's work be completed in you. But here, here's, the, here's the kind of the, the paradox, if you would. Even though there is a place where we can get where we are complete in him, we never reach the place where he's no longer working on us. I know that kind of seems contradictory, but the old song says, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You like these old songs? It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, 
how loving and patient he must be, he's still working on me. But God's plan, and and this is what I want to really emphasize and punch home in 2014. God's plan is to take you from where you are to what his plans are for you. And what is the measure of perfection? Anybody know what the measure of perfection is? Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Unto the fullness of the measure of Christ. Unto that perfect man. God's goal is to make you and me like Jesus. And everybody understand this. This is a journey, not an event. It is a journey, not an event. Now, salvation is an event. But this process, which the Bible refers to as sanctification, is a journey. You start on the way, and your goal and your destination on one hand is heaven, but on the other hand, it is, I'm going to be like Jesus. And it's going to affect every area of my life because I'm striving to be like Jesus. Do you understand that this is what the church is for? The church is not just a place for us to gather together and slap one another on the back and celebrate the goodness of Jesus. The church is the venue. It is the way that God uses to take people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Listen, God has a plan for your life. His plan is not to leave you struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. His plan is not to leave your mindset or way of thinking the way it was when you first were introduced to Jesus Christ. But there is a complete transformation of you the Bible says it this way if any man is in Christ he is a new creature behold old things are passed away and A-L-L all things are become new this is the plan of God and it is a process and it doesn't take five minutes it doesn't take 30 minutes it doesn't take five years but it takes a lifetime of pursuing and following after Jesus Christ. Amen. The the youth group is called The Bridge. I love that name. You know why I love the name Bridge? It's because it is a perfect analogy or allegory for what the church is supposed to be. A bridge. Now, what is a bridge? A bridge is something that is constructed, a structure to help people get from one point to another that would be difficult or impossible to get because of a gulf that has been fixed. Does that make sense to everyone? The bridge is a structure created to help you get from point A to point B, which would have been impossible because you couldn't jump that far and you couldn't swim that fast, and you couldn't climb down there, but you're able to get there. Now, when we talk about the church, and when we talk about the bridge, and when we talk about the path, we're talking about the same thing here. We're talking about how to get from here to there. Now, on the one hand, we know what the two ends of the bridge are, right? One of them is earth, and the other side is heaven, right? So the bridge is how we get from earth to to heaven and Jesus said I am the way the cross basically becomes the bridge right so but the second thing is 
there has got to be a transition in a believer's life from one point to another point that is impossible for them to get without some help. And what is that? The starting point is our mindset, our lifestyle, our viewpoint that is shaped and influenced by this world or by culture. Everybody with me on that? So you're a product of culture. Your mindset and the way you think you're supposed to live is shaped by culture. Why? That's what everybody else is doing. For some of you, that's what mom and dad did. For some of you, that's what you observe with your coworkers. So that's just the flow, right? You know what I'm saying? That's just what seems natural. But the Bible says that's not my way. There is another way. There is the biblical way. So it is moving from a secular, culturally shaped mentality to a biblically foundation mentality. So that means how do I get from where I am, believing what I believe, practicing what I practice, struggling with the things that I'm struggling with, to that place across the way where I am fully mature in Jesus Christ, the perfect man, having a mindset that is shaped by the word of God and living a biblical lifestyle that begins to affect every area of my life. Are you guys with me right now? Because the biblical lifestyle is an absolute transformation of the way that you live. And it's a blessed life. It's a life with favor, amen? It's a life with power and anointing. But the church's job is to be the bridge to help you get from where you are to where you need to be. Now let me tell you, there are three things that work uh, to get you from where you are to where you need to be. And the Bible says these three things. Number one is the Word of God. Everybody say the B-I-B-L-E. The B-I-B-L-E, what does it do? The Bible is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It is what gets you from point A to point B. See, when you start getting in the Word of God, the Word of God starts changing you. Can I get an amen in this place? Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about? That when I finally begin to read the Word of God earnestly, I might have to get a version of the Bible that's easier to understand, but I'm going to read it for myself, and I'm going to realize this attitude is not a Jesus attitude. Come on now. This thing that I'm doing is not Jesus' conduct. This thing that I'm allowing in my... See, the Word of God will convict you, and the Word of God will shape you and transform you. Amen. Everybody got that? That's one. What is the second thing that God uses to take us from point A to B across the bridge? The second thing is God's anointed ministry. And I'll prove it scripturally. You ready to listen? Ephesians 4.11. It says, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Everybody got that? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is God's gift to the church. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. Did you read that? God put the ministry in the place for the perfecting of the saints. So they all work together. The word of God and the ministry. It says for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The Bible makes it very clear 
that God puts anointed ministry in place to help us become spiritually mature, to help us get from where we were to where God wants us to be, to the way we used to think, to the way that God wants us to think. That's why as a pastor, you'll under you'll, you'll notice here at Life Church, I'm not the only voice that you will hear, but there are apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists that will come join hands with the pastor because we are in the work of perfecting the body of Christ and not letting you stay where you are and stay in your sin stay in your weakness stay in your struggles but say come up come on come on here's a word for you here's an anointed word for you here's an understanding of scripture that will help your mind to be transformed and changed hallelujah hallelujah and I'm going to wrap it up right now with the third and the most exciting thing that will take you from point A to point B that will help you in this process of sanctification, of getting your mind changed. I think you know where I'm going, don't you? Number three, the Bible says that we are sanctified by the Spirit. How does this work? Real quick synopsis. The Bible says, the old covenant, the old covenant was written in stone. And you could try to get transformed from the world's way of thinking to God's way of thinking by looking at all the rules that God had, right? Everybody with me? You still with me? Yeah. So if you could learn and obey all of God's rules called the law, then you could strive to drag yourself to the point where you would have a biblical mindset and a biblical lifestyle and be a grown-up, mature follower of God. Here's the problem. It didn't work. You guys with me? It did not work. And God knew that it wasn't going to work because it was a schoolmaster that was going to point us to a better covenant. Let me just read a couple verses that really excite me. I hope somebody's excited as I am about this right now. <laughs> Lots of Bible here. Jeremiah chapter 31 says, This shall be the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This is the new covenant. The old covenant was on tablets of stone. The old covenant required an annual shedding of blood of an animal to push forward your sins one year. But the new covenant is this. This is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says this. This is a prophecy of the coming new covenant. It says, I will, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and ye shall do them. Let me break it down to simple language. The old covenant was you try to force your flesh to obey a list of rules. 
The new covenant is God says, I'm going to take your old heart out of you and I'm going to put a a new heart in you. But before I install the new heart, I'm going to write my law in your heart so that now you desire to follow and obey my ordinances. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says when the Spirit comes, it leads and guides into all truth. The Holy Spirit is that thing that lets you know I got to stay away from this but this I ought to pursue it's something inside of you that causes you to pursue the righteousness of God Hallelujah. Hallelujah. anybody glad you've been born again when you are born again something happens We are following Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection because, by the way, when Jesus died on the cross, that was the last sacrifice ever needed. You wouldn't have to bring out animals every year to push your sins forward. Jesus said, I'm not going to just deal with your sins and atone and push them up, but I'm going to wash them away once and for all. Praise God. And this is the way to the way. The way to the way is you need to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be born again. Is anybody still with me sufficiently enough for me to, in two minutes, tell you what it means to be born again? Born again. What does it mean to be born again? Jesus was the first person that was ever born again. Really? How did that happen? Well, he died on a cross. He was put in a tomb... And he came out of the tomb, all things being made new. He was born again. Everybody with me? And then he said, you, the gospel is that, that, that uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and you are to be born again. Born of the water and the spirit. See, the Bible says it this way. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So no use trying to walk in the way unless you're willing to be born again. Say, I'm willing to be born again, okay? So if you are wanting to be in the way, see, this is what you've got to get. These people you see here, they may look pretty nice, but they're a bunch of messed up folks. You don't want to know about our past. You don't want to know about what she used to be and what he used to be and what he used to do. The Bible says such were some of you. All of us got a pass and got a record. Sometimes you look at say, well, I could never be like that. I mean, look at they they must have been raised different than I was. And I couldn't live like that. They must be from a different background than what I was. Well, some people were raised in church. And that's the cool thing about the generational blessing is my kids are raised different than other kids because of choices that I've made and what God's done in my life. But even if you don't have that privilege, let's say you're here today and you grew up in a cultural mindset. You can be born again, regardless of whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you have a Christian background or whether you come from a Buddhist background or whether you're an atheist or an unbeliever. It really doesn't matter what you come from. It doesn't matter if you used to be a gangster. It doesn't matter if you, come on somebody, it doesn't matter if you used to shoot up. It doesn't matter if you used to smoke it. It doesn't matter if you used to drink it. It doesn't matter. 
matter if it used to means last night, but when you come into the house of the Lord, the Bible says there is power through the Holy Spirit to make you a brand new creature. Oh, I feel my help in this place right now. Holy Ghost. My God. Doesn't matter how many times you've messed up, how many mistakes you've made, how many times you've turned over a new leaf, how many times you made promises to God and broke it. I don't care. You were trying to do it through your flesh. But the Bible says, and I'm saying today, that it is time for you to be born again of the water and of the Spirit and to accept that your help is in the Lord. So, born again. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. And when the first message was preached in the church, what is the church? Church means ecclesia, called out ones. People that are called out of culture to walk on a different pathway, right? The church was born, and what happens? People come around, because when the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing, it's kind of weird to outsiders. Can I say that again? When we get too formal and too visitor-friendly around here, it makes me a little nervous. It's like itching around my collar. You know why? I want people to be able to come in because I want the bridge to reach to where they are. But at the same time, I know that the way to the way is being born again. And the first people that weren't a part of the 120 that were born again came in as skeptics and mockers and said, these people look like they're drunk. I wonder if people walked in here, would they think that something strange is happening in here? That somebody like, it's only noon, and these people are acting like they're drunk. I mean, what's, what's going on here? That's what happened. And they were like, what is the deal? Then Peter preached the gospel message to them. The gospel pricked their hearts, and they said, what should we do? Peter said, repent. I like this message, if you haven't noticed, people that have been around for a while. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the first altar call given in the church. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift. You didn't earn it. You got it. It's a gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost. So what happens? When we repent, we die with Jesus. We say, Lord, I'm not in control anymore, and I'm not going to do my own stuff anymore, and I'm not going to make my own decisions. See, the problem, some of you struggle because you never really repented. You went down and you said, God, I give you my life. You went down and said, please forgive me of my sins. But you didn't really repent because when you repent, the Bible says it means you change direction and you surrender control of your life to the Lord. So what happens? Something dies. What dies? What really dies? The old person that I used to be has to die. Because I can't take that old person that I used to be and get on the road. That won't work. Got to die. What does that look like? A lot of times there's tears involved. A lot of times it's just that breaking point. For some people, they have to get to a breaking point in their life where they're like, I can't do this anymore. And they give it to the Lord and they repent of their sins. They die. So they got an old man that's dead and something new is being born in them. But the next step is, is the Bible says, is being buried with Christ in baptism. When a person gets in the water 
and is baptized, it's, just not, it's not just a confession of their faith in God or a public display of what's happening, what's already happened. But it, it, the Bible says that in baptism, that in this process of baptism, that our old man is buried with Christ. And it also says we're circumcised with a circumcision not made of hands. What does that mean? Don't want to go too deep here because I don't have any time. <laughs> but just like circumcision is the cutting away of flesh, when you are buried in waters of baptism, there is a cutting away of the old man. And the old man stays buried in the water. <laughs> and when you come out, you are a new creature in Christ. Now, you won't see him laying in the water, all right? You'd be like, oh, look, gross. But that old person that you chose to put to death with Jesus and nail him to a cross with Jesus is buried in the waters of baptism. And when you come forth, it's buried in the water. And the Bible says you are a new creature and you have resurrection power. And then when you receive the Holy Spirit, He takes the old heart out of you that wanted to do bad, that wanted to sin, that wanted to be rebellious. And He puts inside of you a new heart that has a desire to please God and has a desire to follow after God. I'm so glad that I have been born again. Can we stand our feet and clap our hands and give praise to the Lord for what he's done for us right now? Come on, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Somebody help me praise Jesus right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. I'm talking to somebody right now that's already been born again, but you're struggling. I'm talking to somebody right now that are fighting battles that you used to fight a long time ago, and you're fighting them again. I'm talking to someone here today, and you're wondering why you have this lack of desire and lack of passion in you. I'm talking to you right now and letting you know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing, but that you can be baptized again with the Holy Ghost. Because some of you, your heart's been getting hard again. Some of you have gone back to the old way of trying to obey through the force of your will. You need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need revival in your spirit where God can put back in you a desire to seek after him. Somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So here's the deal. I'm going to invite you to come up to the front as we culminate this service. If you would like the Holy Spirit to be in you. Now, this can be someone who's never experienced the Holy Spirit before. What, what happens when a person receives the Holy Ghost? The Bible says, obviously, that the Spirit of the Lord comes inside of them. and There's a huge change that happens. But the first evidence that this has happened is that a person speaks in a language that they never heard before. Now, I'm not making this up. This is what they did in the Bible. 
They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. It might be a human language. It might be the language of an angel. But the reality is you begin to speak something either than the language that you know as the Spirit of God gives you the words to speak. And this is the sign. Oh, you've been baptized with the Spirit. And then there's other evidences that are going to come that are very important. But that's how we know right now that somebody's been sealed with the Spirit. Now, that's going to happen today. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's going to happen to some people for the first time today. I really believe that. But I also want you to come forward if you would like a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you come forward, you're saying, I want those laws in my heart. I don't want to force myself to live this way. But I want from the joy of the Lord my life, my life's desire to be a passion for Jesus Christ. What you're saying is, I just need a fresh touch. I just need the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn in me again. I just need a fresh baptism of God's Spirit. So if you're here today and you would like a fresh baptism of the Spirit or you would like to receive this experience for the first time, I want you to come forward right now. Amen. Come forward right now. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. Hallelujah. Wow, I didn't do a very good job. I thought this place would be flooded with everybody. God forgive me. I did my best, Lord. Praise God. Is there anybody that wants to be baptized in the Spirit? Is there anybody that wants a fresh baptism of desire to live for God? Is there anybody that can admit, you know, I've been struggling. I've been pulled this direction. I've been pulled this way. But I want the Holy Spirit to give me the anointing that I need. That's it. Come on forward right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. That's it, that's it, beautiful, beautiful. Praise the Lord. Now I want the rest of you that are willing to come forward and pray with these, just come up and, and join, stand behind these, and we're going to pray together. And some of you that were a little shy to come forward, you're going to get baptized with the Holy Ghost anyway. God doesn't care. He'll give it to you anyhow. Come on up here right now. My great uncle was a great man of God, uh, and he used to say this. You need to get, he, he had like a, a Canadian accent. He said, you need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Like the spout, like the spout of a teapot or a, get under where the glory's fallen because, man, I can try to do everything I can to, to, mess, to mess with your mind and talk to your mind and help you understand some things. But what God's getting ready to do in this place is so far above and beyond what's happened in your mind over the last 45 minutes. The Spirit of the Lord is going to transform you in this place right now. So we're going to start here by asking the Lord to forgive us and repenting of our sins. Is that okay? Can we do that right now? Next week, we're going to talk about the incarnation, God coming in flesh. But this week, we're talking about God's Spirit coming in you. We're going to repent, and we're going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. We're going to say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want this power to be a new creature. God, forgive me for everything that I've done. Can we repent right now just for a moment? Lord Jesus, I want to ask you, Lord, to forgive me of every sin that I've committed, Lord, every time that I've fallen short. 
I understand that I've been created by you and so I have no rights to my own self even. You're my creator, Lord God, and I'm, I'm sorry for using my body, my mind, my words for things other than what you designed them for. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would forgive me. And I ask you, Lord God, to cleanse me. Come on, do this from your heart. Lord, could you please cleanse me? You know I messed up this week, God, and you know the mistakes that I've made, and you know how I've just kind of done my own thing and been my own boss. But Lord, forgive me, Lord Jesus. I really do love you. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. I love you. And I want the power of your spirit in me, Lord God. Wash me with your blood, Lord Jesus. Cleanse me so that I can be white as snow. Thank you that you died on the cross so I don't have to carry this guilt or shame. And thank you for washing me. Come on, thank the Lord for washing you and cleaning you right now and making you a new creature. Jesus, I thank you for it. Hallelujah, Lord, I thank you for it. Can we give him thanks right now for his forgiveness? It was just that easy. It was just that easy to receive his forgiveness. Let's thank him for that right now. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when the church was born, they were all together in one place and they were praying just like we were. And the Bible says suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. This is the way the church was born and this is the way the true church still functions in 2013. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands and I'm going to ask you just to begin to use your voice and your mouth to exalt Jesus or, or to praise Him or to say good things about Him. Does that make sense? Just begin to worship Him. If you have nothing else to, to think about, like just talk about how big He is, how powerful He is, and how, how great He is, how awesome, how pure He is. If you have nothing else to think about, just say, thank you, God. Just really give Him thanks from your heart for forgiving you for all the mistakes that you've made. And while you begin to praise Him and worship Him and give thanks to Him, if you want the Holy Ghost, while you begin to praise Him, He'll begin to touch you and He'll begin to fill you. And you'll begin to speak in a language that you never learned before as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Uh, some of you are going to be refilled with the Holy Spirit and some of you today are going to be filled for the first time. So all across this place, could we lift up our hands right now and could we just begin to give praise to Him? Could we get, begin to thank Him for how great He is uh, and talk about how big and how powerful He is? Uh, hallelujah. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thirst for you. Jesus, I'm hungry for you. Let the power of your Holy Spirit. Come on, that's it right now. And when you begin to feel those words come that don't make sense to you, when they come into your spirit, just let them out. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. That's the Holy Spirit giving you the utterance. Yield yourself to Him completely. Yield your tongue to Him. Say, God, I want your spirit to, to flow through me again. Baptize me afresh. Baptize me with your spirit. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I need some elders and leaders in church begin to move and pray for people right now. Help them experience this experience that will transform them.
Okay, I'm going to be pastor right now. I need you young people to start praying for one another. Find somebody and pray with them. Let's get down to business here. The Holy Ghost is moving. People are receiving the Holy Ghost right here. You need to be in tune with what God's doing. Find somebody, young people, and pray with them right now. Pray with a friend. Let's pray. Let's get down to business with God. The Holy Ghost is falling in this place right now.
In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Just for a moment before we leave, I want you to just close your eyes. If you're praying, just keep praying. But if not, I want you just to rest in his presence right now. Just close your eyes and maybe tilt your head up toward him right now. Just begin to whisper praise to the Lord. Let his spirit come upon you. You have the Holy Ghost, let the gift flow. Thank you for the fresh baptism of your spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Him. Come on and worship Him. Come on and worship Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and open up your mouth and bless Him. Hallelujah. Unto him, come on, come on, come on, open up your mouth right now. There's been this impression since last night the way that Pastor Rich has been talking about is the way and a way by which you can and you will experience deliverance and freedom. Can you say deliverance with me? Can you say freedom? I don't have time to get into this, but I'm just going to release in prayer, and I hope that you will join with me right now, that something powerful is yet to happen, that another wave of the Holy Spirit is going to hit this place because God has you in mind. No, he has you in mind. He has not forgotten. When Jesus Christ had an encounter with a Samaritan woman, a cycle broke. I'm going to repeat that one more time. When the Samaritan woman had an encounter, Sister Leticia, with Jesus Christ, a cycle broke and she was loosened to do something new the woman with the issue of blood my brother when she had an encounter with Jesus Christ a cycle broke and she was loose and she was free to move into a new dimension of her purpose amen come on I know some cycles have broken over my life I know I will never again pick up a crack pipe. That I know for a fact. 
I also know that it's been over three years that I have not had my account overdrawn. Am I, am I being too transparent for you? What am I trying to get at right now? The man of God has preached a word about the way. And the way, hallelujah, it's a way where you can experience freedom. It's a, it's a way where you can experience breakthrough. And I am believing right now. And I have the sense in my spirit that it's not about what you feel. It's not about what you're thinking right now. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the realm of the spirit. And I speak it out in faith right now that cycles are breaking right now. In the name of Jesus, say this with me. Cycles are breaking right now. In the name of Jesus. One more time, say it with me. Cycles are breaking in the name of Jesus. And say it again. Cycles are breaking in the name of Jesus. Any cycle of depression and oppression broken right now in the name of Jesus. Any cycle of doubt broken right now in the name of Jesus. Any cycle of lack broken right now in the name of Jesus. Any cycle of unbelief broken right now in the name of Jesus. Any cycle of infirmity be broken right now in the name of Jesus. I don't know what your cycle is, but you know it better than I do. And as we close this service right now, I encourage you, as His presence is moving in this place, see, you know of cycles, you know of things that you're seeing happening in your surrounding, in your family, or in your community. I want to remind you today that you've been given all authority in Jesus Christ and that you can speak to that cycle right now and say, let it be broken, let it be broken, let it be broken. So before I turn this back to pastor, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, cycle be broken. But when I say cycle be broken, you are going to name the cycle in your life that you are believing. I am believing for rest, full restoration in your family because I know that's what you want. So let, let's work this together. When I say cycle be broken, then you name that cycle and you say right now in the name of Jesus, the cycle that is trying to break my family apart is broken in the name of Jesus. Can you believe that right now? You got to recognize where you are right now. This man of God preached a powerful word. The spirit of God is in this place. And I already proved to you into biblical accounts where the cycles were broken. Can you, is that okay? Amen. See, sometimes we're like, I don't know why I feel lethargic. I don't know why I keep on going back to the old thing. Well, today, let's just put our faith into work and believe that you will not be going back to those places, whatever they may be, and that the cycle is broken and that those appetites are closed in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to declare it three times. I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, cycle be broken. And when I'm shouting, cycle be broken, speak to your cycle. If it's a cycle of lack, I am telling you right now, that cycle will break if you believe it. Sister Tamara said, you have not because you ask not. So uh, three times at each time, shout the name. Name your cycle, amen. In the name of Jesus, cycle be broken right now. In the name of Jesus, cycle be broken right now.
Come on, clap your hands and give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. I want you to leave here rejoicing. Is that all right? We've had at least one, I think more than one, a couple baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. A lot of fresh baptisms of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's what we're about here. Because that's the way to the way right there in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your presence and power and blessing. We thank you for the deliverance that has happened, the cycles that have been broken. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for a person that's walking out of here in faith, speaking faith, believing, Lord God, that you've done what they're believing that you've done. In the name of Jesus, go with each of us. Keep us safe this week. Let us work hard, Lord God. And let us uh, be successful, Lord Jesus, and come back here ready to rejoice and celebrate your birth next Sunday. We ask these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Praise God. If you're a guest here with us, I'd love to meet you before you leave. And uh, also I want to say, this is just last, one last word of instruction. If you believe God's done something for you today, you got to speak it. You need to speak it now. you got to walk out of here speaking faith, whether it's to your spouse or whether it's to yourself or whether it's to your enemy. Speak it in Jesus' name. God bless you.